0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, August 9th, 2020, we continue our series titled, The Parables. Today's sermon, The Rich Fool, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Enjoy. Well, this morning we are in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. We're continuing in in our series on the parables, and this morning we have the parable about the rich fool. Now when you open up to Luke 12, it's a familiar scene. Jesus is teaching, there's thousands of people gathered. Jesus has covered all sorts of topics so far. In this sermon he's giving, he's talked about hypocrisy, he's talked about fear, he's talked about acknowledging and denying God, he's talked about blasphemy, anxiety, the Holy Spirit's help in the believer's life, and then this question that Jesus is asked by this guy in the crowd comes completely out of left field. Read this with me. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Jesus is teaching and it says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care, Ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We're going to hop into that parable in just a moment. First, let me pray, and then we'll see what God's word has for us this morning. God, though it's my voice that's been heard, we know it is your word that's been spoken and this morning we trust that your word is authoritative for our life, that it's applicable for our life right here and right now. So God, we ask that you would come speak to us, that you'd convict our hearts and help us live the lives that you have called us to live and would that be done only for your glory and for your glory alone. We ask these things in the name of your son Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Luke chapter 12, 13 through 21. As I said, uh, Jesus is teaching and this guy just asks the question, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, being a Jewish audience, this guy would have known the customs, he would have known the social norms. So this guy's issue uh, really isn't a social problem, it's more of a spiritual problem. See, back in that day, when it came to inheritance, the older brother would get two shares and the rest of the siblings would get one share. So, this is probably a younger brother saying, Hey, I want more. Can you help me get some more? But like, remember, Jesus is in the middle of a sermon. Right? This is like you talking to your kids about, Listen, here is why it's wrong for you to hit your brother or your sister. Here is why it's wrong for you to say those types of words to your brother or your sister. And then they say, Hey, but what are we having for breakfast in the morning? Now, that's probably a real situation if you have kids that you've dealt with, and it's a situation that Jesus is dealing with here. He's teaching them a great sermon covering all sorts of wonderful topics, and this guy just says, hey, teacher, can you help me out with this problem I got? And I love Jesus' reply in verse 14. He says to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Um, This is Jesus' talk for no, I'm not gonna do that. And then what we see Jesus do next is he launches into this teaching against greed, right? Because he sees this guy's problem isn't a social problem, it's a spiritual problem, and Jesus perceives what's going on in this guy's heart. So he's going to address the problem that rests inside of this guy's heart. The first thing that we're going to see in our parable this morning is the instruction Jesus gives to guard against greed, Guard against greed. That's what Jesus is dealing with here in this man's heart. He's dealing with a covetous heart. He's dealing with a greedy heart. He's dealing with a heart that just wants more, a heart that's not satisfied by what he's, what he's been given so far. He just wants more. Maybe you or maybe myself struggle with this same thing sometimes as well. Guard against greed. Verse 15, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Guard against covetousness, it's greed. Guard against wishful, selfish desires for something that's not our own. And this isn't a new commandment to us. If you've um, read the Old Testament, you've seen the Big Ten, the Big Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 17 says, thou shalt not covet You shouldn't be greedy, you shouldn't uh, selfishly desire something that's not your own. And when God commands us to do something, he's not just trying to keep us from having some fun, he's actually trying to protect us. God himself is trying to guard us. And here, God is telling us to also guard ourselves. He says this, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Contrary to popular belief, the man who dies with the most toys does not win. The man who dies with the most toys, he just dies. And then his stuff is no longer his. Jesus says that's not the point of life. The point of life isn't found in wealth. The point of life isn't found in acquiring possessions. The point of life isn't found in just amassing as much stuff as we can experience in this world. Now, stay with me, don't tune out, because um, at this point, maybe you, like I have myself, in past sermons like this, we think, okay, so this is the point um, in the message, and this is that sermon uh, where, where the pastor just makes the wealthy people feel bad and, and tells them to give all of their money to the church. Now, I, I've heard that sermon before. Um, let me tell you, this isn't the sermon that Jesus is giving. Jesus isn't trying to make you feel bad for having wealth. Jesus isn't trying to make you feel bad for having things that you've earned in this world. What he's trying to do is to get us to question, is to question our priorities, question our hearts, see where are we really at when it comes to our stuff. So if we're going to be a Jesus follower, it means we listen to Jesus even when Jesus talks about things that make us feel uncomfortable. Okay, so if you're feeling a little uncomfortable as we're talking about wealth, as we're talking about riches, as we're talking about all of those things, that's okay. Jesus has something to say to us this morning um, that's encouraging, that's convicting, but it'll also uh, it'll help us be better followers of Jesus. And at this point, he enters into a parable beginning in verse 16, and in this story that he tells, there's three principles to help us overcome and guard against greed. The first principle Jesus lays out is contentment. Contentment is just being okay with what you have. It's satisfaction. It's being satisfied with what you already have and not desiring more. This man, this rich man in the story, lacks contentment. He's decided that what he has is not enough, and that he just wants more. Luke 12, beginning in verse 16, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. Now notice first, it's the land of a rich man. Nowhere in this story is the rich man condemned for being rich. That's not the point of this story. Jesus isn't preaching condemnation upon the man. He's preaching to help the guy question his motives and question his heart. He thinks to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? Now this rich guy who has a lot, he's been given more and his concern is what should I do with more? And this is a good question for us. I don't know if you remember as a kid, uh, maybe as a high school student or as a young college student or even now, if you got some birthday money and maybe you asked the question, what should I do with this? Should I pay down some debt? Should I do this? Should I do that? And what typically happens is if you don't have a plan for it, it kind of just disappears. Or, like, most of my birthday money every year goes to like coffee and tacos. That's just what happens. I don't intend it to go there, but I don't ask the question, what should I do with this? So, it's a good question. But the problem Jesus has with this guy is that his question leads him to a place that brings more to himself, more and more and more. To himself, I have nowhere to store my crops. And I love that he says this I have nowhere to store my crops because in the next sentence he says, I will do this. I will tear down my barns. So you say you got nowhere, but if you'd looked over your left shoulder, you'd see you actually have like a plethora of barns. Okay, so you actually have plenty of space to store the stuff that God is continuing to give you. The equivalent of this is maybe three weeks after Christmas when your kids are, are, are kind of complaining and whining a little bit about, I don't need any fun stuff. There's no fun toys to play with. There's no fun stuff to do. And you want to be like, hey, remember that thing that happened like a, a, just a few weeks ago where the Santa guy and the chimney thing and the presents and the tree. Remember all that cool stuff you got? What, what happened with that? What happened? Because we very quickly forget. This isn't just a kid thing, by the way. This is something we struggle with too, right? As soon as we get something cool and then something cooler comes out, the cool thing we got suddenly isn't as cool. Or like, I don't know which iPhone is out now, but the one that can do like slofies. Like I've never, I'm not a selfie guy, but man, if I could be a slofie guy, like my problems would be solved, right? But that's just not the case, when more comes out, we just want more. It's something that happens in our heart. Our heart desires more. We're greedy. We're covetous. We always want more. But maybe the more we're desiring is not the more that Christ has for us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 says this. It's the recipe for gain. The recipe for more. It says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. See, the gain you and I should be looking for is not the gain that the world has to offer, but the gain that Christ has to offer us. Godliness plus contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Maybe you've heard the saying, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearst. It's because you can't take it with you. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Now, I don't know about you, I struggle with that. Would I really be okay with just food and just clothes? Because that's what he says here. Food and clothing, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. See, money itself isn't a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. The pursuit of more, the pursuit of wealth, the desire of riches, the love of money, it's one of the most dangerous endeavors that you and I can embrace in this life. And Jesus says it leads nowhere good. You know, Most of the time, I don't think we realize how much we're actually desiring things until we take a look back um, and, and maybe look at like, your web history or look at your screen time or whatever and you realize how much time you've been spending looking at stuff. Um, I realized the last several weeks I've really been desiring a bass boat. <laughs> like, I don't... I can't buy one, so I'm not totally sure why I'm spending so much time looking at them, but like the real beautiful silver flake on the side, you know, I, just, I like fishing, and I figure, man, if I could get a boat, I could spend more time fishing, and if I could spend more time fishing, I could spend more time relaxing, and surely that's good for my mental health, my spiritual health, I'd probably be a better pastor, be a better dad, be a better husband, and very quickly I begin justifying this thing that I probably shouldn't be desiring. I've also been looking at new golf clubs because I figure, you know, if I wasn't so mad for four hours, every time I played golf, maybe that too would would help me be a better golfer, and if I just had some new stuff, maybe the extreme stuff, or the sim stuff, or the twist face stuff, or whatever the new tech out there is, surely if I had that then, I'd be good, I'd be satisfied, I'd be content. See, the hope that having those things, the hopes that it'll bring me some type of fulfillment, some type of satisfaction, but they can't. Man, bass boats are awesome. Nothing wrong with them. I don't think Jesus is against bass boats. New drivers, they're awesome. I don't think Jesus is against new drivers. Bass boats are good. Golf clubs are good. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. The things of this world, we cannot find fulfillment in them. If we want to find fulfillment, that comes only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The first way we guard against greed is through finding contentment in Christ and in Christ alone. The second way we fight against greed is ownership. We realize who actually owns it all. See, this rich man has a wrong understanding of ownership. He's decided that what he has is his and no one else's. Starting in verse 17, And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops." And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grains and my goods. Do you see where his focus is? His focus is on me. His focus is on mine. His focus is on myself. His focus is on my stuff. If you and I only shifted our focus a bit to instead of thinking that you and I are the owners of everything, to actually believing that it's God himself who owns Everything that would greatly change our perspective and help us fight against our greed. Psalm 24, verse 1 says this It's a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and those who dwell within. Everything here is God's, everything belongs to Him, and if it all belongs to Him, it essentially makes you and I financial managers. How will we steward God's stuff? What will you and I do with the resources that God Himself has entrusted to us? See, the question this guy shouldn't be asking what should I do with my stuff? The question all of us should be asking is what should I do with God's stuff? When more shows up, what should I do with the more that I'm given? See, this guy wants to increase his living instead of increase his giving. And now that's a decision you have to make in your own heart. You have to ask God, God, what should I do with the stuff that you are entrusting to me? What, what, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to increase in some different areas that I'm, I'm doing some good work with, that I'm giving to some ministries, giving to some organizations, or um, do you want me to go and spend this on a thing that me and my family have been saving for? What, I mean, what, do, what do you actually want me to do with this money? He's not just the owner, he's also the creator. Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 17 says this, he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, again, Jesus, all things were created, everything was created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus created everything and everything belongs to him. How will you and I steward what God has given to us? You know, we like to say it all belongs to God, but if we look back at our actions, do our actions actually show it? We say all the resources that God has entrusted to us belong to him, but when we look at our budget, does our budget actually reflect that it all belongs to Jesus? Or does it look like it belongs to me? The second way we guard against greed is through recognizing that God owns it all. The third way we guard against greed is by having right priorities. And we see this man's priorities are all wrong. His main priority is his own pleasure and his own ease of life. Again, in verse 18, he says this I will do this I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, which I think is hilarious. That's what this guy is saying to myself. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. You have ample goods laid up. Now, saving money and being wise with the finances that God has entrusted with you to you is actually a biblical concept. If you look through Proverbs, you see things like, oh, sluggard, learn from the ant. The ant like, busts his butt and earns all this stuff and then actually even saves for later, has some resources saved up for later. You and I should be doing the same. You and I should be saving up some of our goods for later. But if we're saving because we're afraid that God won't take care of us, that's a wrong reason to save. Or if we're saving because we trust in our savings, that's a wrong reason to save. Our priorities are skewed. He says, relax, eat, drink, be merry. This sounds a lot like the American dream, doesn't it? Just relax, kick back, eat, drink, be merry. Is there anything wrong with kicking back? Nope. Is there anything wrong with relaxing? Nope. Is it wrong to have a nice meal and a nice drink? Nope. The issue is the priority. This is what this guy places the priority of his life. I just want to have enough in the bank so someday all I have to worry about is my own pleasure. Jesus says it's a wrong priority. In fact, if we fast forward in Luke chapter 12 a bit, verses 29 and 31, Jesus talks about this priority, he says, and do not seek what you're to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Don't seek your own kingdom, don't seek your own pleasure, seek God's kingdom seek to please him, seek to please the one who created everything, who holds all things together, who owns all things. Seek him, seek his kingdom. And and we talk about this, sometimes, seeking God's kingdom, like what, what does that even mean? Is that like pray in the morning and read my Bible? I think that's certainly part of it. It's aligning your life with the life that God has created you to have. What else could that be? I asked some of my friends this week, man, what is it, how do you prioritize God? Right? How do you prioritize God's kingdom? These were some of their answers. One of my friends said this. He said he has a social media filter and not like the kind that makes you look pretty and stuff. It's his own kind of personal filter of things he posts on social media. He uses 1 Corinthians 13. He asked like, love is patient, love is kind. That, that whole passage, he says, what am I about to post as a patient? Is what am I about to post kind does, is it envious or does it boast? Does it talk about the record of wrongs? I mean, does, does what, I'm, is what I'm about to say showing that I love people like God has called me to do or does it show the opposite? That's one way he prioritizes God and one way he seeks God's kingdom. Another one of my friends, they say they look God look for God throughout the day and if God's kingdom is here and now and it's expanding, I wanna look for it. I wanna see it, I wanna see God's fingerprints on the situations going on around my life so I can look to him and thank him for being involved throughout my day. Another friend said he tries to represent God throughout the day, Ask questions like, man, who can I love, who can I encourage, um, who can I pray for today? Or another question, how do I interact with people to model Christ in this situation? It's the constant question of what would Jesus do. Another one of my friends says he just prays throughout the day. Little tiny prayers. God, would you give me something to say to this person? God, would you help me have patience? God, would you help me think of you more? God, would you help me work as hard as I can for your glory and not my own glory? He tries to practice the presence of God in his life all throughout his day. All of these are really good ways that you and I can prioritize God and prioritize his kingdom and seek to build his kingdom instead of building our own. That's the third way we can guard against greed in our life is prioritizing God and his kingdom before we prioritize anything else. There's a second thing we see in this passage and it's towards the end in verses 20 and 21 where Jesus tells us to be generous towards God, to be generous towards God. Verse 20, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? But God says, fool, it's one thing when a friend calls you a little stingy or kind of a materialist. It's another thing when God calls you fool. But living a greedy life with yourself at the middle and your priority being pleasure is a foolish way to live our lives and if that's the way we choose to live, God says that is the way of the fool. He says, today, your soul is required of you and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? See, someday everything you own will no longer be yours. May, maybe that's soon. Uh, maybe you fall into some financial hardship and all the things that you've worked so hard to accumulate are suddenly stripped away and then they belong to somewhere else or, or maybe your kids break it or, or maybe it, it gets rusty or maybe moths eat it and destroy it, or maybe you die and then everything you've worked for is no longer yours. Whatever it is, God says someday everything you own, you'll no longer own. It'll no longer belong to us, it will belong to someone else. So we shouldn't spend so much time prioritizing non-eternal stuff when you and I will live eternal lives. Verse 21, this is the final warning Jesus issues. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. This could be you and this could be me. We need to ask ourselves, are are we storing up treasures for ourselves instead of being rich towards God? And that's an interesting term, being rich towards God. He doesn't really unwrap it a whole lot, but if we look elsewhere in the New Testament, I want to close with this. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, um, he lays out how we're supposed to be rich. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 says this, as for the rich in this present age. Now, all of us are pretty quick to point the finger at someone else and say, no, that guy's rich. That girl's rich. That's someone who truly has wealth. That's someone uh, who, who's really actually rich. I'm not, I'm not like that. The reality is, if you're watching the service right now, you're either watching it from a, a hundreds of dollar thing that was sitting in your pocket or a thousand dollar tablet or an expensive computer or a big screen TV. And that, compared to the standard across the world, many people would probably point to you as the one who's rich. So the instruction here isn't to feel bad for being rich. The instruction here is, if you're rich, here's how you should do it. If you're rich, here's how you should live your life. As for the rich in this present age, here's the first thing. Charge them to not be haughty. If you're rich, here's the first thing. Be humble. Be humble. Humble. James 4, 6 says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Be humble and God will be gracious towards you. Are you the type of person to kind of flaunt what you got, to be flashy with the things you have? Do you like to strut your stuff? Do you think you're better because you're better off? We can't do that. If we find ourselves having resources, Jesus, God God says this is the way that we're supposed to do that. We need to be humble. Jesus humbled himself and came to die for us in the same way you and I should humble ourselves and serve other people. He goes on, he says, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Don't trust your stuff. Don't trust your wealth. Don't trust your resources. Don't trust your riches. Trust in God. Riches are uncertain. Stuff can get destroyed by rust and just by wrecking it things of God will live forever. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you've probably heard it before. You might have it on a coffee cup or a t-shirt at home. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in God, not in yourself or anything you have done. Verse 18 says this, they are to do good, to be rich in good works. So if you're rich in this present age, the instruction is to do good. Do good. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says, verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God did a good thing for you and I. He sent his son to die on a cross that you and I deserve to die. He rose from the dead uh, to defeat death, and now we can have a right relationship with him if we only choose to trust in his son, Jesus. He's done that good thing for us, and he says the reason he's done that is so you and I would go do good things, Man, if you have some good stuff, maybe it's time to start doing some good stuff with it. Look around you. How, how can you help? How can you meet someone else's needs? Is there something you can give to somebody just to encourage them? If you've got some good stuff, do some good stuff with it. The last thing he says is this, to be generous and ready to share. If we're rich in this present age, we should share generously. Share Generously and not share stingulously, if that's even a word. Don't be stingy. Err on the side of generosity. That's what we should do. If we find ourselves being rich in this present age, you and I should share generously and err on the side of generosity. If you really believe the things that you have belong to God, what are you gonna do with it? What shareables has he given to you? There's a lot of just difficult things going on in our society right now. A lot of people who um, have lost jobs. Maybe you are one of those individuals where God's blessed your business and and blessed your hard work and and you've actually been doing really, really good. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to share. Maybe you have a guest house and, and someone's looking for a place to live. Could you help them out? And maybe put them put him in your guest house for a little bit or, uh, or maybe someone just needs a break and you have a second house up in the woods and you would just love to offer that to someone else who's had a difficult season and you want to bless them with that. Maybe you have an extra car and someone's car broke. We need to ask ourselves the question. I encourage you to ask the question to yourself even now. What shareables do I have? What has God given me that I can be generous with? We need to guard ourselves against greed. And Jesus tells us there's three ways we can do that. We can be content. We can remember it all belongs to God and we can prioritize his kingdom over our own. And he tells us to be generous towards God. Be humble, trust God, do good, and share the things that he has entrusted to you and I. I'm gonna go ahead and invite the band to come on up while I close this in prayer. Church, let me encourage you over the next couple days, would you be looking for opportunities to be generous? In Matthew chapter 25, there's a story Jesus tells where he lines these people up and into this group of people, he, he blesses them. He says, man, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I, was, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you gave me something to wear. When, when I needed help, you helped me. And they ask him the question. They say, Jesus, when, when did we do any of that stuff? Like, I don't remember doing that for you. And Jesus' response is this. He said, man, you did it to me when you did it to anyone who was in need. Church, this week, would we look for opportunities to be generous towards God by finding those in our community, those in our neighborhood, those in our workplace who are finding themselves in a needy season of life Would we be generous towards them and in doing so, be generous towards our God? Let me pray. God, thank you um, for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. God, thank you um, for giving us instructions that help us guard from things in our lives that are seeking to destroy us. God, would we pursue you over everything else in this this world? God, would we not be encumbered by all of these different things that grab our attention, that grab our desires, that grab at our wallets and our pocketbooks? God, would we be fully devoted to you and you alone? God, thank you for entrusting us with the things that you've entrusted us with. God, we know that you've um, given them to us for us to enjoy, but also to share. Uh, and to glorify you with those things. God, as we respond now in worship, um, would we not be concerned with the way that we sound in our living rooms? But God, would we just rejoice and worship and praise you because God, you are worthy of everything that we've got. We love you, Jesus. Thank you um, for this passage you've given us to help us guard against something that seeks to trap us, that seeks to deceive us. Would we seek you with everything we have? We love you. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, church, may our hearts sing no other name than Jesus this week. May you and I run to him and not the things of this world. And sometime this week, would we find an opportunity to be generous to those around us and in doing so, be generous towards God. Highlands, we are so excited to be back with you guys next weekend. We love you and we will actually see you soon.